Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Romans Empire podcast. Since the last time we recorded, we have experienced a week of of the lowest of lows, I would say. And uh, not necessarily the highest of highs, but three points nonetheless. Uh, here to join me to talk about that today is uh, my usual co-host, Sam and Andres, on a pretty monumental day for us. Uh, don't you think, Sam? Wait, before you go on, highest of highs... Top three is high enough, Zach. Top four. We are high enough, okay? If I see the number three again, I'm going to go crazy. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that meme has really just come to life. Uh, I mean, I remember after that first match, I I tweeted something out. It said, let the three memes begin. And ever since, it's just been the thing. Like, I knew it would happen. but You called it. uh, Both positive and and negative. Yeah, yeah, both (laughs) positive and negative and uh hopefully the five meme with uh, man united will pick up a little bit too um that'll be really great but i mean what and an easier way to describe this week it is a very chelsea week because we are not chelsea fans if we're not used to this complete crazy situation that we put ourselves into and then get out of somehow and then almost put ourselves right back in yet somehow end up on top but we'll get to that but did we did we get ourselves out of the situation or did we have a little bit of help from uh a particular uh team that owes us a favor not not just particular team we have sleeper agents everywhere man (laughs) (laughs) yep shout out to the chelsea youth yeah shout out to emanalo for loading up the loan army just for them to now thank us big big shout out Big shout out. Hey, also, big shout out to all of our listeners. We got a little sappy today. Like, we we were looking up, like, our rankings as far as, like, in comparison to other Chelsea podcasts. And, you know, because of how much you guys interact with us and because of, you know, how how much you support us, like, we're really high up on these, like, charts. Uh, And it was a a surprise to me. Like, I, I had no idea. I thought we were just, like, some, you know, small small time kind of show and uh but really thanks to you guys and we're growing we really are growing uh it's been it's been so awesome shout out to zach and andreas uh you guys have been great shout out to the rep ultras uh all the rep ultras and keep it up we'll we'll be going future rep ultras and next season i mean it's gonna be probably our our biggest season for that for the podcast because we're gonna be a top tier team and every week is gonna be even more crazy than this year so i'm so excited looking forward to the future um all right let's let's talk a little bit about the past and something that i don't really want to bring up but we got to talk about (laughs) this sheffield matchup uh sheffield was in not the best form coming into this match but damn they looked pretty good against us uh i i was i was in palm springs for this match so i was lucky enough to miss it live but i hate myself enough to have watched (laughs) the full thing through uh when i got home on sunday night uh i mean i actually i lied i didn't watch the whole thing i turned (laughs) i stopped watching after the 75th minute uh after 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 zuma's goal uh i'm I'm gonna i mean after rudiger's goal i'm gonna credit that goal to rudiger just because of I mean, it it was just had his <laughs> name imprinted on it. His his he dropped a dime. 
it's just it was so classic because this put is, it on a platter this is the thing that we've been talking about for the past couple of weeks just how shit his clearances have been and it just could not have been i, I think i i laughed more than i was upset at it because it was just like it was too perfect um, serious question though um do you guys think rudiger hung out with david Luiz too much last season <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's, he's starting to wear off on him rub off on him <laughs> But uh, let's let's get into the lineup real quick. So we had Keppa in goal, Dave Zuma, AC, and Reese James. The back line, midfield of Mason Mount, Jorginho, Ross the Boss, and front three of Pulisic, William, and Tammy. Um, interesting to see Tammy in the starting lineup, honestly, at this point, because just of how good Giroud has been. Um, but, I mean, did you guys have any other initial thoughts on this starting lineup, it looked pretty, you know, like to form as far as like what we've seen in the last couple of matches. Right. As um, expected, except for Tammy, honestly, yeah, I mean, like yeah. you mentioned, we, I don't think any of us believe he should be starting a match, especially when we need three points at every possible turn. So that was the big one for me. I thought maybe Alonzo, because he's been playing well, might get a start. And the fact that Sheffield is gigantic as a team, just mm-hmm. thought that his size might have been deployed. But when I saw the lineup, I mean, we knew Conte and Kovacic were not going to play. So, yeah, I thought that this was exactly what it would look like, minus the Tammy start. Yeah, I said last week that I would have liked Ollie to start, just because I think he could pull one of those center backs out of position and open up space in the middle. And I think... That's what we were trying to do. Uh, and this week I noticed Pulisic playing centrally a lot more. Um, so, you know, it would have made sense to play Ali Giroud there so Pulisic could kind of fill up that central area um, right next to him, kind of like what he did today against Norwich. But it, it, it kind of pains me to even, like, think about this match at this point. It it, it seems so long ago already, doesn't it? <laughs> I, yeah, I... The day that it happened, I don't really have too fond of a memory of because I was drinking so much. So uh, that that is already out of my memory. But let's let's Wasn't talk. Was happy drunk? Yeah, yeah. It was. It, I didn't have to think about the match at all. It's okay. Um, let's talk about the defending uh, first because that's. I mean, to give up three goals to this side at this you know this point in the year is just. I mean, they scored three against Tottenham a couple weeks ago. Okay, and that's that. That if we're gonna compare ourselves to that, that's embarrassing. So the first <laughs> goal, uh, Mason picks up the ball, playing with it right outside the 18, loses possession instead of clearing the ball. Keppa makes a nice save. You know, Andreas Christensen and Zuma just just looked static for the rebound, didn't go after it, and just a, a put back goal. Second goal, uh, nice header, but again, Zuma and AC ball watching instead of man marking which has just been something that we've been harping on week after week after week that it just seems repetitive at this point. And the third goal, which I alluded to previously, just Rudy, Rudy with the absolute howler of a clearance. Uh, I mean, this has to be the topic of discussion for every episode. Uh, I'll start off with you, Andreas. Where did we go wrong defensively? Uh, I mean, for one, I'll, I'll go goal by goal. So first off, Mason Mount, like, the kid is on form, fantastic, but his youth showed in that play. I mean, 
I don't know of any manager who'd be okay with anyone, even if it's Eden Hazard, to pick up the ball between the 6 and the 18-yard marker of your box and try to dribble through traffic. Uh, it was dumb. Your team goes from thinking we have the – like from defensive to getting the ball, so everybody starts spreading out to get open for passing. We give up the ball. Cross comes in. Reese James outnumbered. Yes, there was a deflection. Um, on the shot, Kepa makes the save. And then, of course, the two center backs didn't do crap. So I think the blame, most of it needs to go to Mason Mount. Then the next part is, I think, and this sounds super messed up, that Christensen and Zuma just did not expect Kepa to even stop the shot. Right. To me, they just looked <laughs> like they thought, oh, that ball's going in after the deflection. And they let the the forward who whose name's slipping through my head right now, but he had never scored in the Premier League. McGoldrick. Thank you. I was shitting on him last week. Had never scored in the Premier League, and here we are gifting him the easiest goal of his career. Second goal, man, honestly, the second goal to me is, I I played mostly as a six and then a little bit of center back growing up, and the one thing that you're always coached is to keep your head on a swivel because you're in the very middle of the field. So much is going on around you that you need to – try to have eyes on the back of your head. And again, Ace, both Christensen and Zuma, they definitely just need a joystick center back sitting next to them because they're not going to do it on their own. Both of those guys just ball watch the moment the ball goes out wide. And then let's be real. The moment a cross comes into the box, I don't know about you guys, but I'm, I'm praying like that moment. I'm like, oh, take a deep breath. We cleared it. Okay. Breathe out, but but that comes to that. It's as simple as just trying to figure out what's around you. And I think our center backs just don't do that when the ball goes wide and they expect a cross. They just get caught ball watching, and that's it. Because it wasn't that they got beat to the ball; they were just nowhere near it. Third goal. I've spoken enough about Rudiger. That's all I'm gonna say. We all have. Yeah. yeah. It, it just seems it's it just seems coincidental that all three goals came from our center backs not right like it's it's not it's not surprising at this point and that's and that's a sad part and i think you know the more i'm starting to see um you know the different combinations and different duos that that frank is putting back there the more i'm starting to or not necessarily starting to realize but the more it's sinking in that we just have no natural leader at the center back position and andres you kind of nailed it all of these guys they need they need someone next to them telling them what to do. I just don't think any of our center backs that we have currently are willing to grab a game by the scruff of the neck and take control of the back line and, and organize. And it's it, it just it, it, it's a blatant lack of leadership in a way. And, you know, I hate shitting on our players for that, but it, you I, you got to kind of call it how you see it at this point. It, it's it's a it's a concern. And I think moving on to the summer, especially after Project Restart started, the more and more I'm hoping Chelsea decide not to blow, you know, the big bulk of their transfer funds on more attacking talent. I'm actually hoping that I'm starting starting to think that they need to spend more of their money now on the back line. You know, this whole Havertz thing is 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 becoming less and less appealing to me when we have issues at goalkeeper, issues at center back, and issues at left back. It's it's uh it, it's it's shambolic and, and and to concede three goals against a team that only averages one a game it, it's 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 just embarrassing. 
this was this was as embarrassed as I felt. This is as embarrassed um, as I felt as a Chelsea fan. I mean, considering, considering the time. I think the last time I felt this low, guys, was after I went to my first Chelsea match, Tottenham against Spurs, Conte's oh. second year, Erickson's banger. I mean, I that was the lowest I've ever been, and this was this was pretty close because I thought we were done and dusted. I, I mean, also, sorry, I'll, I'll save my reaction until after we talk a little bit about it because it wasn't just the defense, and and I think Sam is is going to bring up that next the next yeah. portion of this well, game. I will, but, but real quick, like just considering also the point of the season that we're in and just like the stakes. Uh, every it was such an important match. We just talked about it last week, you know. Until let that happen, like between McBurney and McGoldrick, we really got Mick fucked, right? <laughs> <laughs> They got us good. Uh, that was <laughs> thanks, guys. Uh, so I mean, yeah, we talked about Mason Mount in that first match. I clearly that played a lot in uh, Frank's decision to pull him at mid uh, at the at halftime. Also took off uh, Christensen at half. Um, I, I, he picked up an, a little knock earlier in the in the match, like around like the fifteenth minute point or something. Uh, put on Rudy and Marcos Alonso. So. Change the system to a 3-4-3. And then uh, later in the match, Frank takes off Pulisic for RJ and uh, puts all uh, Giroud on and Cho in also. And uh, you can see Cho mouthing as he subbed on that we're changing to a 4-4-2. So three different, uh, three different formations. The three meme lives on. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's kind of – it's it's kind of – unsettling to be this far into the season and still not having like an identifiable formation that works. And I get that Sheffield is a very unorthodox. Uh, they, they really stack up, you know, the three, five, two. So it is a really unorthodox uh, formation. So maybe that has something to do with it. Why we were switching around a little bit. Um, but I mean, some some might say he was a little bit too overreactive with the system changes. Zach, would you agree with that? In a way, I do. Um, in a match like that, there's not much you could really do as a manager when you're when all eleven players on the pitch just seem to drop off a level overnight. Um, you know, there's really nothing else you can do besides mixing it up a little bit. And I think Frank tried to utilize as many different formations as he could in this game, as we saw, and none of them were coming off. I'm not going to lie. When I saw Ali Giroud coming on for Pulisic, I kind of knew that that was a nail in the coffin because yes, we're bringing on a guy that's scoring goals for us, but who's going to create them. And that's the real question. Like I know William's been putting up good numbers since the restart, but let's be real. Most of his numbers are, you know, from the penalty spot or offset pieces. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and we just don't have anybody that can sort of grab a game by the scruff of the neck and really mix things up in the middle of the park. I think that player for us eventually is going to be Loftus cheek. Um, but it's still too early to see that from him. And, and, and we can't expect that from him. I know we'll get onto it a little bit later, but it, it was, um, I don't really blame Frank for being overreactive. What else are you going to do in that situation? When your team is not responding or reacting to two different formations, you got to try a third. Um, We needed the win. So I was all for taking the risk and kind of mixing things up. But pulling Pulisic off for me was was kind of the end of it. I I, I sort of became disinterested after, after that moment. And it's not just my 
American citizenship talking here. It's uh, <laughs> it's me. It's it's me looking at the match with my blue tinted glasses on. For me, for me, it was a little different. I I do want to put a bit of blame on Frank here. Uh, Sam alluded to it. We've already been, we already have the worst defensive record ever for Chelsea at this point in the season. So there's that. And you had three months of tape watching to try to figure out the defense, and it's still an issue, fully knowing that you're limited to what you have now. But in this match, we, the thing about Sheffield is that you know what you're gonna get from them. You're going to get a 3-5-2, and you're going to get crosses and people in the box. Like, that's Sheffield in a nutshell. They're going to sit deep, and then when they get their chance to get in the box, they will through crosses. That is his, that's it. That's and all they do you're a good get. job at it. Yeah, they, they've, they've – what's his name? Wilder, Chris Wilder has, has gotten them – yeah, they are a well-oiled machine of a 3-5-2 week in, week out. And my thing was – if you're going to do formation changes, start with the 3-4-3, match them to start, and then switch to the back four, and then switch to 4-4-2. To go from a 4-4-2 to a 3-4-3, back to a 4-4-2 with the personnel we had on the pitch, that was never going to work. That was never going to work. You At that point, you you decided to take off a fullback for a wingback and then force the wingback to go back to fullback. Then you had Cho playing at wingback instead of at winger. And then going back to 4-4-2, so then he's like an outside mid, not even a full-on winger. It seemed backwards as to what the tactical changes were. So for me, that was my criticism. Yes, he's limited to what he has, but he knows that now. It's the end of the season. This isn't week two. And when we matched, when we last matched a team for their formation with three in the back, it's worked. Whether it was Tottenham or Wolves, when we matched them, it works. When we try to play three in the back and the other team isn't doing it, not so much, but you knew that that was going to happen with Sheffield. You know, like Frank kind of alluded also to the motivating thing. Like I'm so tired of managers saying that now because I get that they're inheriting these players that are so tough to motivate and da, 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 da. But like, again, that's a broken record at this point. Don't say the same thing. The last four managers have said that's, that's a scapegoat. Uh, For me, it was just, we didn't get the tactics right, and that goes to the manager. And again, three goals against Sheffield. Yes, that happened against Tottenham, but Sheffield scores a goal and then they park the bus. The fact that they put three on us and two were from a guy that hasn't scored all year, like, that's shambolic. So I do want to throw some blame at Frank. And the Pulisic, the Ollie for Pulisic, like you said, final straw. At that point, you take out any bit of creativity. Yes, you put two tall dudes in the box, but... One of them can't jump or stay on his feet. And the other guy who can do something isn't getting good service. So, yeah, it was it was an awful performance all the way around. Zach, you mentioned how, how disappointed you were. I was disappointed on all fronts. Players, coaches, tactics, everyone. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it, it was to, to not walk away with a single point that match, uh, just – one point ahead of Leicester, two points ahead of United. Uh, it's It seemed like one of the worst results in recent Chelsea history. I mean, we were in, we had our destiny in our own hands uh, to make in Champions League. Uh, mm-hmm. And we needed a little bit of luck to stay afloat. And guess what? We got just that. Lucky FC strikes again. Uh, on Sunday, 
a banged up Leicester team, blew a 1-0 lead going into halftime, losing 4-1 to relegation zone squad Bournemouth. Uh, I mean, I did not see that coming. That was just like, uh, I was driving home Tom from Solanke, baby. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, you know, the, another Chelsea, agent Solanke. Yep. Another Chelsea sleeper agent. Uh, we got them all around England. So beware. Uh, and just to, t- to top it all off yesterday, Chelsea, Chelsea youth Academy boy and su- super sub Michael Obafemi. He dropped the hammer on United, scoring the equalizer in the 96th minute uh, to just allow Man United to to claim only one point in that matchup, uh, keeping them in fifth, tied with Leicester for 59 points, only one point behind us. I mean, it was the perfect uh, – it was pretty much the perfect uh, results for us given just how dreadful we were against Sheffield like we we do not deserve to be in third going into that uh, the match today um so again our destiny is in our own hands um hopefully we don't fuck it up we were able to get <laughs> things done today against Norwich barely 1-0 um but i mean is there anything you guys wanted to just mention about those two matches the Leicester and the United match matchups Zach, do you have anything to say? Because I, I think I no, summed I, it up. Yeah, I, was just... I don't. Yeah, I, I do. I do quickly. It's, it's incredible. It's not only lucky FC because I don't think, it, it's being bailed out, and we were bailed out last season too when shit was deep in a hole under Sorry, we weren't getting results, and then out of nowhere we jumped to third. I just want to say that in mm-hmm. the last run of games we went from, I believe, uh fourth to fifth to third and we've lost seven games in that in that period while united who have the best form in the country are up to fifth so like we i saw a thread yesterday after the results and it was something along the lines like when we lost in december united lost next time we tied both leicester and united also drew like we are getting bailed out somehow by everyone else. And and while the soccer gods can be very mean to us at times, when it comes to, like, the top four battle, this is the second season in a row where nobody wants to finish top four, and we're the ones benefiting from it. So I hope that we don't let this chance slide by because after that Sheffield match, I mean, <laughs> our rep ultras will know. I, I thought, well, there it goes. Europa League. Kai Havertz, goodbye. <laughs> like, it's it's fifth place. United is on fire. Even a banged up Leicester can can finish a job, and and yeah, I mean, the the, the gods came down. So Yunku got a red card. So he's not playing the rest of the season. United botched what should have been an easier match for them, and and yeah, we're back in the driver's seat. We just need to win two games. And the the messed up part is that. I don't know why I said that we're lucky because we are in match one of the unluckiest squads I've seen. <laughs> like, just so we just create so many chances that, I mean, I've seen I've seen so many other teams put away from lucky bounces to you know a keeper not getting to it. It just doesn't does not work out in our favor at all. Uh, but 
I guess when it comes to other teams' results, we we are a little bit lucky. Um, let's get into this Norwich matchup. Uh, just a reminder that Norwich is the worst team in the Premier League, and we won one nil, <laughs> a, a real nail biter. Even though they only had like two shots total, zero on target, I I never felt comfortable in this match, and it should have we should have handed them. We should have won this handedly. Uh, let's go through the lineup real quick. Kepa and goal, uh, Aspie, Zuma, Rudiger, and Alonso manning the back line. Midfield of Kovacic, Jorginho, and RLC. Front three of William, Giroud, and Pulisic. Uh, so, I mean, Norwich had already clinched their demotion after their loss last weekend uh, to West Ham. I mean, that was a brutal loss. So they really fielded a mix of youth and older players. Uh, they didn't. There was no Timo Pukki until the end. So... I mean, going into that match, I thought it'd be a bloodbath. Like it, it, it should have been so easy. But I mean, chance after chance after chance, Giroud just couldn't finish. It was so unfortunate until the 46th minute, that Pulisic cross to Giroud, the the diving header. I mean, the movement that Giroud made to uh to get a, to get behind the center back was just phenomenal. And, uh, of course, since we're an American podcast, we have to spend at least 30 minutes talking about that ball from Pulisic, um, <laughs> because that was just this, like, that was what we kind of expected from him coming in to Chelsea. And we kind of forgot about that aspect of his game, his playmaking ability. You know, we kind of saw him now as, uh, the, the goal scorer and the chance creator for himself, but um, he can deliver a peach of a ball, and he and he did exactly that. Um, Zach, I'll start off with you. What, do you have anything you want to say about that goal? Yeah, what a ball! <laughs> um, it, it it was just a beautiful goal all the way around. So, I I noticed it actually live when when Pulisic got a isolated one v one with Cantwell, and the first thing I'm thinking is like just just get on your right foot. And, and get the ball in the fucking box. And um, luckily, Giroud was up against, uh, I, I think it was, what, like Tim Closa, the guy that got hurt earlier on when Pulisic kind of yeah, took him out. Yeah, same guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That guy was getting banged up all game. But, you know, th- the cross was incredible, but it did need a pretty crafty run to meet it. And, uh, you know, nice little jink off the back shoulder from Giroud. It was very, very tasty. But... You take that goal in isolation, and, and, and you would think that Chelsea won this match 4 or 5 nil. Um and, and, and that's exactly the problem. It's, it's the fact that we just didn't get more. And, and to be fair, Giroud probably should have had a hat trick, um, and Pulisic probably should have had a goal too. Giroud should have um, had a hat trick at that point. Like at that, that point, should, yeah. That, that, that goal. That should have been the hat yeah. trick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that one should have completed it, but. You can make a full 10-minute compilation of Giroud putting his hands on his head after missing chance after chance after chance today it was it was a lot god he he's so good looking though it's hard it's hard to say (laughs) (laughs) i can't i saw a stat that i I don't remember the exact number but i i know that he has the most header goals in the premier league in the last x amount of years so probably since joining (laughs) since joining arsenal so that beautiful beautiful forehead of his just uh being put to work um let's uh let's talk about the second half uh, same old chelsea stories the first half tons of possessions missed sh- missed chances i mean it seemed like 
it was the first time this whole season that both of our fullbacks, every single ball they delivered was a quality ball. And we could not take advantage of it. I mean, normally this is like my number one complaint with uh, with Dave playing. I mean, when Dave is on the right side, it's hard for him to uh, really deliver those balls. He's definitely better on the right. Um, did I say that right? Yeah. Um, he's when he's on the, on right. the left. Yeah. When he's on yeah. The left, yeah. I just realized I realized that I said that wrong. Yeah. He's on when he's on the left. It's harder for him to deliver the balls. Uh, but yeah, on the right side, he's this. That's where he excels, obviously. And Marcus Alonso, I thought had a spectacular mat, uh, match today. Um, he, he he tracked back when needed to. He, all of his balls were quality. Like I, he was cutting back uh, when he needed to. Uh, it was it was really really impressive. Um, but you know we had to sweat it out for the final 15 minutes. And you know although they didn't really have a clear chance that really materialized, I, I was on edge for the last 15 minutes minutes like completely expecting to lose or for to draw um the fact that we came out with three points is a blessing um like yep. like it, it like again it's, it just doesn't make sense to me when you're in a situation like you are where we just got we just got bailed out a couple days ago um and we're in this position to you know really put it away and clinch the top four spot and you put a performance like this against a team like this, it, it's really, really concerning uh, to me. And uh, I mean, it, it's not going to reflect hopefully on what we're going to look like next season, but we've got a couple big matchups coming up, including an FA final, I mean, semi-final matchup against United uh, this weekend. So, you know, it really worries me. Um, but as it should, <laughs> yeah. Let's just highlight uh, on some some other performances. No, yeah, wait, wait. Before we go into the Please. individuals, because I want to point out the fact that we Zach mentioned earlier. Oh, maybe not getting Kai Havertz is looking appealing. But let me tell you why we do still need a Kai Havertz. So I'm just gonna run through these stats real quick. Sixty-eight possession, sixty-eight percent possession for us. 22 total shots for us versus two of them, two for them. 18 chances created versus two chances for them. Four big chances versus zero of them. 689 accurate passes to 287. Eight corners, one to them. And then I looked up the XG on top of that, so the expected goals from the chances we created. We should have had 3.05. Norwich should have had 0.06. Yet it looked like they were in the game the whole time because we couldn't finish. Giroud alone took eight shots and only scored one. And I think only like three were on target. I mean, it was just, yes, we need to solidify the back line. But we forget that we're the third, we're the third place team in the table. but We're also third in creating chances, but we're like bottom half when it comes to finishing them. And that has been the story for a couple of seasons now, but how much longer does that need to happen? Like, it is so infuriating. I Not only can we not finish, but, like, it, it's a mix of both. We can't finish to extend the lead, and at the same time, we fear for our lives when we even have a one-goal lead. I, I can watch a, a team like Real Madrid, who overall, it, yeah, they're better than us. That's what we're trying to get to. And they can be up one nothing and never look in doubt. 
we can be up to nothing with 10 minutes left. And I'm still fearing for my life because we can't finish the game on either side of the pitch. So yes, the need for def- defensive players is needed, but when you have these offensive stats in a match and you score one goal, that is awful. Awful as a team for that. I'm glad we got the three points, but Christ. I think I think the mentality is a big issue with the team. I know, Andres, you hate hearing that. But, like, I was watching Ali Giroud's uh, post-match um, interview, and they asked him about the Sheffield match, and he opened his eyes really big and kind of, like, looked down at the floor and scratched his head. And he, like... He almost hesitated in a way like the breath got taken out of him. Like the squad is kind of low on confidence at the moment, which is shocking to me considering some of the performances we saw recently. You know, we had a really, really solid performance against Liverpool right before the break. Um, we came back, beat City in a in pretty convincing fashion. And it, and it just seems like the air and the life just got sucked out of these guys. And it's not a matter of necessarily players being leggy. Because I don't nec- I, I don't necessarily buy it as an excuse for a team this young. Um, I think Frank is being smart and rotating a lot of the older players. Of course, you know, William is is probably the one guy that you could point out that hasn't been rotated as much. But 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 just a general mentality of the side, it, 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 something needs to change. And and these guys need to realize, you know, they're top class footballers. We've seen them do it before, and I think that's where our frustration lies. Um, to kind of piggyback off of your point, Andres, and the whole Kai Havertz thing. I, I think Hakeem Ziyech and Timo Werner will will do us a lot of good in terms of getting more goals in the back of the net. Um, but right now, man, that glaring weakness is the back line. Like, if you had if you had you know a hundred million at your disposal, or what are you going to spend the bulk on? Uh, Kai Havertz and you know use the leftover fifteen or twenty million on a center back. I mean, that that's the thing. We need to go after someone huge, and I don't think spending seventy million on a guy like Havertz and spending possibly a similar amount on a center back, and then possibly an you know another thirty or forty million on a left back is feasible in my opinion. I mean, I guess if City got yeah. away with it, then we can though, so- right? <laughs> So I guess this leads us to, to Ron's question, and Sam, sorry to, to, to hop in to do this. Please. So Ron basically asks us what's the, the biggest question, is biggest issue, whether it's defense or not capitalizing on opportunities. And, and now you bring on, like, how should we approach that in terms of the market? The way I see it with the Havertz thing, and I'm going to use an NFL kind of uh, metaphor here. The Giants chose Saquon Barkley with their, what, the second overall pick or whatever mm-hmm. it was, number one overall. Because Saquon Barkley was like the by far greatest talent available in the draft when they could have potentially traded down and gotten a decent linebacker and a decent defensive end, right? We are in a position where Kaladu Koulibaly, as much as I love him to death, this week said that he's not looking to live, leave Napoli. Like it was a quote saying like, I'm not even looking to leave. Like, I love it here. X him out. Alaba, if he wanted to leave Byron, he would have said it because he has one year left. Cross him out. Skriniar for Inter, who is a guy we don't even talk about, is potentially going to City on a swap deal with Jesus. Cross him out. It, we talked about needing a joystick center back. Unfortunately, it's not there. So for me to give up on on adding more cannons to my battalion of goal scoring machine instead of or signing a 
Nathan Ake from a relegated side and a Chilwell who's been hot and cold and, I don't know, another defensive player versus adding a guy that alone on a decent side, I think, contributed to like 30-plus goals on top of the other two guys that each contributed about 30 goals by themselves. Like, I just don't see how we can pass up on that when we also just have money to also add to the back line. Like it, it doesn't, I still don't think it has to be one or the other, but the argument for Kai Havertz for me is, is that, that when a guy of that level, like Mbappe, when he left Monaco, like PSG already had a freaking amazing attack. They didn't go for a defensive player. They added more to their offensive attack. And now Mbappe obviously has shined and gotten even better. But that's the point I'm trying to make. I just think that... Like you don't go for positional need. You go for the best talent available. That's the, right. It, it be, I'm going for that in this situation because the positional need that that's available out there that we can get is not there for defensive, the, four, the back four. The goalkeeper we'll get to, but the back four specifically. That's my point. We There is no joystick center back out there available or willing that we can get right now. Zach, would you care to add anything to that? Because uh, well, Andres well, went off. Yeah, no, I, like I like I know the whole Koulibaly thing and 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 his quotes and what he said, but I, I, Napoli are on the verge of sealing like what like a seventy million pound deal for uh, for Victor Osimhen, who we saw play for Lille earlier this year. So they could possibly you know be in need of some funds. You know, it, it doesn't matter what Koulibaly says. Ultimately, it matters what De Laurentiis says. I'm not saying Koulibaly is going to happen, um, but I, I do think there are other center backs who could at least be an upgrade on, on some of the guys that we have now. I really like the look of Soyuncu Chu from Leicester. I know we've been linked to a lot of Leicester's players. I think he's the only guy in the Premier League right now that would be available that we could possibly go after. But other than that, like looking outside of Europe, Besides Koulibaly and maybe, you know, Jose Jimenez, who's not going anywhere at Atletico, Andres, I mean, you are kind of right. But but, but, but the, the, search, the search still needs to be on. It still needs to be a priority. I don't think that that should deter Chelsea from pursuing any of these guys. And I don't think it will either. Um, I, I don't think Frank's a stupid guy. I think him and Peter Cech are pretty much on the same page with that in terms of the transfer policy and what is needed at the moment. And the yeah. fact that Frank is rotating his center back so often this late in the season only tells me one thing, that there's already something in the works on the back end for them to try to bring in a center back or try to bring in some sort of reinforcement. Whether that's Definitely. a joystick center back or not is, 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 is you know ultimately the question, I guess. But I think that they're certainly looking for an upgrade because – Oh, for sure. We cannot go into next season with the same center backs. We just I, cannot. That's a cardinal sin. That, that should not happen. Um, another thing that people – People are always saying, well, where's the money going to come from? Where's the money going to come from? It was just announced this week, which, by the way, it's almost a pretty much a done deal that Real Madrid is going to win La Liga. Yeah, We're getting an extra 15 million euro from the Hazard deal because they're winning La Liga with Hazard on the squad. No, Hazard didn't so really do. Season. Yeah, no, he <laughs> did not carry them. But the fact that that clause was in there, there's more money coming in, guys. And we'll get to we'll get to people leaving and and that stuff later but yeah just keep that in mind i mean are you guys like is is declan rice growing on you guys more like as a <laughs> as a real <laughs> oh, he's not. potential option i mean uh, yes honestly yes as yes. a center back 
We don't I know. Do. That's the thing. Like, it's... yeah, we don't know as a center back or even as a backup to Conte because right That's what now I'm we don't even have a DM. Like Gilmore, yeah. Gilmore maybe can grow into that sixth position, but I'm sorry, we're talking about screw it. I'm going right into performances to highlight. Jorginho, these past two games, he forgot how to play in this league in terms of physicality. <laughs> he just forgot. He just forgot. After – I remember under Sarri – he forget or does he have his mind somewhere else? Maybe mm. a little bit of both. But mm. after – I remember after he got shit under Sarri, he had that hit in the Europa League. He wore the headband to keep the blood out. And then I know we're like, holy cow, this dude's going to really get stuck in. We come back from coronavirus, and he forgot freaking everything. Like, he's getting outran. He's getting bullied. Like, the dude literally looks like the freshman that got to practice with the varsity team once. Like, he looks undersized. He looks underdeveloped. And his passing is, is fine. He's still he's still rusty on that end, too. But, yeah, he just looks like he forgot what the Premier League is about. And, yeah, that's why, again, the Declan Rice thing, whether it's at center back or DM, again, West Ham's still not safe from relegation. So there could be a price drop on Declan Rice, too. It's just, it's growing on me, honestly. It, it really is. Don't get desperate. That's all I'm going to say. No, we got Ampadu in the wings, too. Don't get me wrong. I mentioned <laughs> yeah. Ampadu if, 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 yeah. if Lampard gives him a fair share. But from what everyone keeps telling in the English media, we're talking about needing a vocal leader. Apparently, Declan Rice, at 21 years old, is that for all of West Ham already. Mm. So A vocal leader from West Ham. Uh, former Chelsea sounds, Academy. Sounds, just <laughs> yeah, sounds, yeah. sounds kind of familiar. Oh, Frank Lampard? Yep. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I'm sure there's, I'm, there's more people to talk about. I'm still on the train of like waiting a year because I don't think we need to build up our defense for next season. You know, we have, we're still in that three year plan. And, you know, if we don't win the title next year, like someone, someone will become available within that time. And we'll make our move then but like I, when a guy like kai havertz is available right now and he's saying he wants to leave he wants to be sold and he's interested in coming to chelsea uh i mean and i saw a quote today that he would even be <laughs> yeah like he would be willing to come even if we don't make champions league which i don't think that's a that's ac very accurate but uh like that that's an opportunity that i'm i'm way more in favor than going after a center back that is not really guaranteed to you know, just like I'm just going back real quick before we go on to the next point, like Andreas talking about, you know, us creating so many chances and, you know, not putting them, being able to put them away. Like imagine Timo Werner with with Havertz right behind him at the 10. I mean, these two will they'll put him away like that. That that was what we're missing. Uh, and I mean, goal scoring is is not as much of an issue for us this season than our, our inability to defend goals. I mean, to defend, but, you know, I think it's still a work in progress. And if we go into next season with the same four guys, I mean, maybe, maybe Tomori will go. It will be Hopefully disastrous. he'll be healthy. Yeah. It will be, be disastrous. It'll be. Just like it was this season. A disaster where we could finish top four. I'll take it. But uh, <laughs> let's talk. I'd rather win games 2-0 than 4-3. I don't know about <laughs> you guys. I appreciate a good shutout. Let, all right. Let, let's talk about Tammy. So I saw the stat. Uh, oh shit! Sorry, I just smacked my mic. Um, <laughs> I saw the stat a couple of days ago, and it should be updated now. But um, 
Chelsea have won seven of their last eight Premier, sorry, seven of their last nine Premier League games, and in the two they lost, Tammy Abraham started over Giroud. Okay, I don't want to give too much into that, but he just has not looked good. He, I, I compared him to a baby giraffe over group text, and it's a perfect description. I think like he just it seems like he doesn't know how to use his legs. He's just long out there and not really making the right runs. He's he's he feel it feels like he's just so weak in his hold up play. Like he just has does not have the strength to hold off center backs. Um, he needs to add mass, and I mean, like I think at this point he's probably going to be third in the pecking order next season. And I've been thinking a lot about another possible loan spell for Tammy that might be good for him. If he's third in the pecking order next season, I don't know. I mean, I'll start off with you, Andreas. What do you think? I think this off season can't come soon enough for Tammy. His head is not in the right place. You're a hundred percent right. He needs to beef up the way Cho beefed up for this season where you could visibly tell that he put on some muscle and pounds under him. And let's be real. Like at that age, you're going to ride on confidence. And right now he's got none because he doesn't look like the guy in the fall that was literally going at a player, dribbling past him and then shooting from awkward angles and still scoring. Like Tammy can be inside the six yard box. And I, and today I wouldn't, I wouldn't put money that he scores it. And it, it sucks to say that, but I really just think the kid is in his head way too much. I don't know if perhaps he didn't take that three-month break as serious and is just rustier than ever. Um, I don't know what it is. I think that it's, it's going to be a toss-up between him and Giroud. Obviously, because we paid so much for Timo Werner, Timo's number one unless Lampard has some crazy formation change where Timo plus another striker play at the same time. But if we continue with this 4-3-3, it's Timo number one and then flip a coin between Tammy and, and Giroud because Giroud is playing lights out. But Tammy, on the other hand, isn't really. I don't think he'll get loaned out again. Yeah. I really don't. Yeah, there's no loan. But but he needs to like get back to work on himself. Just outside of the games because the more Giroud scores and the less he scores is only going to be worse for, for his psyche. I mean, he's for sure going to be third in the pecking order next season. I mean, if we were talking about Timo Werner, obviously number one, and he'll play on the right wing sometimes, but Giroud at this point of time, he is clearly superior to him. And you're talking about his confidence now. I mean, he, he won't get any runs next year. I mean, he'll rarely play. He'll maybe play in, in like cup matches and stuff like that. I mean, there's there's been talks about not doing an EFL cup next season uh, because of coronavirus yeah. and whatever. I mean, so if that happens, he's not going to be playing then either. Um, so, I mean, that, that's one reason why I was thinking about a loan spell because, I mean, he's still, what, 22 years old. Um, right. And I know he's been – this. The, it would be his like fourth loan spell now in the last five years. So who knows what that does? And, you know, you're saying this this offseason can't come soon enough so he can bulk up. I mean, he just had he just had three, four months off. He had but, an offseason. But season. that wasn't with the team. But, but that wasn't yeah, with the team. It, it, he's he's at home with his girlfriend. He's up, 22 man. years old. Hey, yo, like, <laughs> Sam, at 22 years old, 
a rich kid locked up with his girlfriend. Like I, I don't need to get into it. Like I really don't need to get into it. <laughs> I, uh, I think, yeah. I think, I think, uh, I think as a commissioner of hashtag team Tammy, um, I can, I, I'm going to go on record again saying that I'm not worried about him. Like, I'm just not as worried about him as you guys are right now. I, We've seen enough from him early on in the season to know that he is capable of becoming our number nine. Um, and right now it's just a little, it's just a little hiccup in, in, in his form. And and I think, you know, the three month layoff is pretty much a, pretty much an off season. Um, we saw that it did take him a couple games going into this season to get his feet up and running. So maybe it's just a matter of that. I think it's, I think it's a matter of him getting time out on the pitch he got his goal already. It didn't seem to do him much good. I still think he needs another one to really get going. Um, but, but but I'm not too worried about him, especially going into next year. I mean, we talk about our options with Timo Werner and Ziyech coming in, more goals in the back of the net if Havertz comes. I mean, God help the whole entire league. Um, but that presents a lot of opportunities for Tammy to come on late in games, to back a couple easy goals, get his confidence back up and maybe possibly play himself back into the starting 11 some weeks. I'm not saying every single week, um, but but there's definitely time available for him. I, and I said last week, I think it's interesting the three strikers that we are going to have next season are completely different in their playing yeah. style when you compare them. So I think Frank is looking to have that little bit of variety and, and, and um, um, you know, different alternatives up front for different opponents and for, and for different people that we're going to be playing and different matchups that we're going to be matching up against. So what situation, what and, situation would Tammy be the preferred striker out of the three? I mean, I obviously Tammy's going to have to play against, you know, the bottom half of the table teams. I think, you know, when, when we're playing a top 10 team, it's going to have to be either Werner or Giroud playing up top. Um, probably Werner. Um, but, but matches for me where I could see Tammy being useful are the matches against the lower, the, the, the lower seeded teams. We saw him thrive against those teams this year. Um, but I think the bigger opportunity that presents for him is is coming off of the bench in big matches. I think maybe when we need a spark or a little bit of pace up front or Frank senses that somebody's playing with a high line and we could get in behind and, you know, Werner's not available or Werner's already out on the left wing, maybe throw Tammy up there. If we want a pure speed lineup and you really think about it, you can have Werner playing off the left, Pulisic off the right, and Tammy up the middle. I mean, that's... That's rapid. So 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 there there's options there. I don't think that there's a lack of opportunity or a lack of matches there for Tammy. I think I, Frank's I, gonna find a way to put him in. It's just a matter of him getting over this little mental hurdle that he's hitting. Yeah, I, I was gonna go specifically more of you have a Champions League match on a Wednesday, Timo starts, then you go into Saturday Premier League, you're playing a team with a high line. So again, you have the space in behind. You don't want to play. You might say, okay, Giroud can fight off those brutes and then play someone through. But maybe the tactics at that point call for Tammy to run in for, you know, run in behind at, at yeah. that level. So yeah. I, again, it's a good problem to have. We always talk about like the the fact that we're actually building a squad the right way is is so new to us that we're talking about is Tammy going to get playing time? Like that's insane. So I I think again, get get the kid off the pitch. With we have three more matches in the Premier League, get through it. Hopefully he, he catches the back of the net a few more times. But to be outside of the media, you're in your training camp for, I believe he'll get maybe maybe a month of Frank Lampard with the team before we have Champions League. Like, I think it's it's just a matter of getting him off of a pressured situation because Ross Barkley walked himself into a starting eleven after two preseasons of being 
freaking MVP. And then obviously things change when the season starts, but preseason can play a big factor. All right, let's move on. Um, we shout got... out Kova Crew. Oh, shout out to Kova Crew. I mean, it, I, I kind of feel bad, Zach, that I started off uh, talking about Tammy with uh, with Andrea since you're the captain of the TF Team Tammy. So, commissioner, commissioner. Commissioner of Team Tammy. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, let's get into Kovacic, and I'll let Zach start off just to make it fair. Um, since since Andreas is the leader, I don't know what are you. You're not commissioner. You're a leader. I don't know whatever of the Kova crew. Uh, Supreme leader. So, okay, Supreme let's not. Uh, so this, it, it, Kova really reminded us of the kind of player he's been this season, and kind of forgot, um, you know, really being that safety net um, and just bringing the ball up the way he does. Zach, uh, what what did you think of his performance today? I think his performance showed why he probably should have started at the six. Like I said last week, I know it was kind of out of left field, but I just feel way more comfortable with Kovacic sitting there. He's just better defensively. He's more mobile. Um, he could have, he can he can help us progress from uh, defense to attack a lot faster. We'd be able to play the counter more. Um, and we kind of saw it all from him today. You know, moving the ball. Um, you know, he did look rusty a little bit in the beginning, but eventually got his feet under him. He was starting to shake off defenders, run at people. And just doing his thing. Honestly, you know, he was probably our brightest performer on the pitch behind Pulisic. Um, I, I thought he had a really, really good game. I'm glad to see him back in his side. But, you know, if, if this Conte injury lasts, which, you know, the hamstring's always tricky. You know, think the thought of him playing on Sunday a week after tweaking his hamstring already scares me enough. I, I think that this is probably our best option at the six, especially with Billy Gilmore out now for, what, three or four months. Yeah, there is a clear reason why this guy's our player of the season. Simple as that. I mean, yes, I know I'm extremely biased, but we talked. I talked earlier about Jorginho's lack of any defensive output. Kovacic was working for two guys today. So usually we have Conte there to work for three guys. Well, Kovacic worked for two defensively. And again, Zach mentioned he was breaking through the lines. He was dribbling. He was passing. The one complaint I had is that he didn't take a shot in the first half or maybe early second half. But, yeah, I thought he was fantastic. He looked good. He didn't look injured. He, he's he's not the biggest guy, but he's hard to get off the ball. It, it was good to have him back. Whether it's going to be at the eight or the six, I'm just glad to see him back in the starting lineup because he did give me a little bit of peace of mind when uh, when Norwich was trying to do a little bit more pressing. All right, let's get into uh, just quick news uh, that happened this week. Uh, Man City wins their appeal uh, with the Court of Arbitration of Sports. Um, they uh, got their their ban lifted. So we'll go this whole like, speculation of whether top five would be enough. It's not. Top four it is. Um, I just wanted to quickly get your guys' thoughts on uh, what you thought about this, uh, the outcome of this whole ordeal. Andreas, you want to start off? Yeah, it, it's bullshit. Simple as that. They did something wrong. I don't want to hear it. Pep didn't mention the books once during his post-cast interview. All he said is that they basically got a good lawyer that proved that Man City's quality on the pitch should be enough for them to be in Champions League which just screams to me more FIFA, UEFA corruption. I, they should not be in the Champions League at least one season. 
especially after the way UEFA has treated Chelsea for way more minor allegations. Yeah. I I actually agreed with what Mourinho said. He said, you know, if they're really not guilty, then why did they pay a fine? Basically, Um, his his quote was a little more Mourinho than that. Um, But it just seems like total bullshit. I mean, they spent 500 million in one summer just on their defense. That's more than some countries. It's 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 just it's so ridiculous to me. So ridiculous. And um, you know the callouts from the La Liga president, from Arsenal, from Liverpool. I mean, they're all very very well warranted. Um, it's it seems ridiculous. You know, if we could have gotten away with that and and for for signing, we got a ban a transfer ban for signing what 15 16 year olds that weren't uh british and we got a year of a transfer ban and city gets what 10 million pound fine that's chump change to them it's 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 baffling to me you know i was just go ahead go ahead sam i was gonna say i was (laughs) all right who's going (laughs) you you go ahead all right all right i was gonna say yeah we we got in trouble for signing kids that may be good but in reality we all know that at 15 years old it's really hard to see what you're going to look like at 25 versus man city spending all of the money on finished products and then lying about how money is also coming into the club like come on now like bullshit all you want pep about the quality and and how in the last 10 years city deserves to be in the champions league yeah the only reason you got there is because you cooked the books and you paid more than you made like it's bullcrap. Like it's. I wish I had like the gif of Drogba looking at the camera and saying it's a disgrace because that's exactly what this is. You know, I was gonna read the full decision uh, when I checked yesterday. It hadn't been uploaded, and I just looked now, and they they did upload the full decision. Uh, I'll read it next, uh, and then have it like your, some legal analysis ready for you guys for next week. Uh, but like, I think it, they want off a of technicality pretty much. And also like the statute of frauds, like it was just too, the, what happened had happened was too late for UEFA to bring the claim or whatever. And I mean, I think, I don't know if you guys saw, but city reportedly, they said they're going to spend 30 million pounds on the 50 best lawyers in the world to sue UEFA for the next 10 years. Uh, first of all, where do I apply? Because I would love to do that. Second of all, <laughs> that is just such a joke. It's just for show. Uh, <laughs> because obviously, like, why why would City want to sue UEFA when really they're in bed together? And <laughs> I mean, it's just it's a front, you know. Like they're just yeah. they're, they're they're making it seem like they hate each other. Maybe that was their punishment. They needed it was an additional thirty million dollar fine, and they're gonna have to spend it like this. Uh, but who knows? You know, they, such a bitch move. It's it's such a shady, bitch move. But yeah. whatever. It's uh, we 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 got our appeal overturned as well. I mean, uh, not, uh we got the our ruling overturned as well. But it, it it's crazy how long it took, and it actually affected us for a transfer window where, uh, city it's not gonna affect them whatsoever. Um. Maybe now we can just consider FPP a joke and just go after whoever we want, but uh, who knows? All right, let's let's move on. Um, so Nick Lenartson, uh, one of our valued listeners and a member of the Rep Ultra, uh, Rep Ultras, usually is one of our main contributors to Twitter questions, but he's been out of town for the past couple of weeks and has not been contributing. But guess what, ladies and gentlemen, Nick Lenartson is back. <laughs> and he gave us uh his quick thoughts uh so 
we're going back to this is the second uh, reoccurrence of quick thoughts with Nick Lenartson because he just loves to hear his name on our podcast. So we might as well just give him that <laughs> Shout pleasure. Out Shout out to Nick. So these are these are his quick thoughts. Number one, J five looks unpolished. That was a, we we talked about that earlier. You're right. Pulisic and Kova are the only ones with pace. We didn't talk about RLC in the last one, but he might have. He he did not look to be as pacey as those two. We cannot do decent crosses or corners. I don't think he watched the match today because today we actually were quality in, in delivering. Maybe goals. he means we just can't finish decent crosses or corners. Right. Okay. Yeah, we, we, we can't. That's Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's probably what he meant. Lost in translation. And then he's he also adds we are too ineffective in and around the box. Uh I think he's pretty much saying we don't score. So that was quick thoughts with Nick Lenartson. Uh, let us know what you guys thought. Uh, <laughs> maybe this will be a recurring, reoccurring segment every week. Who knows? Uh, what? All right, let's move on. <laughs> Sorry. And to our Twitter, Twitter questions. Got too uh, excited for Nick Lenartson's thoughts, huh? Yeah, I, I didn't know how to transition this. I think we should ju- we should have just done the full episode, just quick thoughts with Nick Lenartson, but I guess we can move <laughs> on. Uh, Twitter questions. This one comes from uh, J.R. Bork. He asks, how can we look so good in some matches and then look so miserably lost in others? It seems like we play up to competition if the other team is good, but down to the competition if they're bad. We're still on that third spot, though. Zach, I'll start off with you. Why do why, why do we play down to our opponents? Mentality, mentality, mentality. We need to build the squad with winners, and I just don't think there's enough winners in the squad, and it's showing. Um, signing Ziyech, Werner, I mentioned him a couple times in the podcast. If you can't tell, I'm pretty excited for that. Those are those guys. Those are guys who will help you win. Um, you know, it's just a matter of the team getting a little bit of confidence under their belt and, you know, with a mix of the right transfer business to kind of get our feet back under us um, and hopefully back to the top of the Premier League. Jared, you answered your own question. We play well against the big guns. We wake up for those games ready to go. And then when a little ta- little bottom half team comes around, we just expect to get the victory. So, yeah, you you nailed it right on the head. Also, I want to pass on the knighting I believe to our czar of the rep ultras Ron, because I think it's up to him now to, to formally make our friend Jared Burkowski uh, a part of the rep ultra brigade. Damn. Damn. We're going to get him knighted. Hey, he needs to get knighted. I, I, we will let Ron take care of that on Twitter. And and we, (laughs) and once we see that on the Twitter sphere, Jared will we'll reach out to you. Make sure to tag us, Ron. Yeah, but Jared, you gotta get your followers up. You only have four followers on Twitter. Come on, man. What is this? <laughs> Just kidding. The Red Boulders will the Red Boulders will come in strong. Yeah. Exactly. Alright, let's uh let's move on. So we got a question from at M Conan seventeen eighty nine. I think that's a first time question. I don't recognize that. Yeah, what was his name oh, yeah. on Twitter? I don't know. But um, he asks, uh, William looked sluggish today and it seemed to affect the attack. Do you think Mount should play the wing on Sunday or another player like Callum Hudson-Odoi? Uh, I'm going to answer and just say I don't know how Cho didn't start today. Uh, or I really thought he this was the perfect opportunity for him to play. But uh, what do you guys think about William starting next week 
uh, Andreas, I'll start off with you. I, I think that William probably deserves a break. Uh, honestly, I think Cho. Should you include what Nacho said since we're talking about Cho? Yeah, or... sure. Yeah, Nacho. Yeah, why not? Nacho Fuentes, shout out to Venezuela. He says, <laughs> uh, a tad late. Oh, sorry. Um, what are your thoughts about Cho? He hasn't particularly stood out this season for me, and his appearances off the bench aren't the same as they were last year. Uh, so, yeah, you can just take those two together, Andreas. Yeah, so, sure, last season, maybe he had more of a direct impact, I think, last season. A lot of the in-game thinking was not needed because of Sari's system, so maybe that played to his advantage. But I do think that his last two cameos have been really good. I thought he was pretty yeah. direct and on pace today. I think that William has played every single match and almost every single minute since Project Restart, so I think an FA Cup match could warrant not starting for William and maybe coming on if needed. I think Cho, what, what better challenge than to go up against a quote-unquote inform united than that so yeah. i think that you know give him a run i think he's healthy i think he's trying to prove that and i mean that cho reese james partnership looked good on the right side when we did try it so why not bring that back for for that fa cup match i think it's the perfect chance especially since we're still in a in a pretty heated top four race yeah, I, 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 I agree with you, Andres. I think I think Cho looked pretty good. You know, today he picked up a couple fouls, um, running at defenders. He doesn't necessarily seem as timid as he as he was before. His first option is not to look back and 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 pass the ball backwards anymore. He he's starting to look for his opportunities to run at defenders and sort of make those runs forward. Um confidence is coming back, so I, I totally wouldn't mind seeing a start for him. Um, especially this weekend. I think it's more important that we rest Willian for the run-in, uh, for the league run-in against uh, Liverpool and um, and Wolves. Um, so I'm all for it. I mean, I, I think, Zach, you pointed out something that I noticed too. I mean, it, he really was playing timid previously in his uh, other appearances, but he was really direct, and uh, that, that really made me happy. And I, I in the past couple of episodes, I've kind of... I wouldn't say disrespected Cho, but I've been really low on him. And, you know, because of his couple of appearances that we've seen, I mean, he's not really getting a run out, so I can't really fully evaluate how he's been. But when the times that he has played, he he, he just wasn't being too direct with, with uh, the attack. But I think what you said is, is probably the biggest reason, Zach. He's gotten a little bit more confidence in himself. And mm -hmm. that's why I thought that he should have started today. Like, I was really bummed. Uh, I thought it was a perfect opportunity. Like, Willian, like, you, you're saying, you know, re like, play him against United so we can rest Willian for, um, you know, our upcoming league matchups. Like, I felt like we should have rested Willian today and had him ready for the United matchup because I don't know about you guys, but I want silverware this year. Like, I'm uh, Obviously. So, I mean, like, I, I don't know. It, it's just... That 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 missed it. That that seemed like a really good opportunity to get him run time, especially against this Norway team. Uh, but Norway, sorry, Norwich team. But um, I don't know. We'll see. I I mean I, I think that look, we're in a position right now where United can't put all their eggs in the FA Cup basket either. Right. They're still yeah, in this true. top four race, so I think it would be a little naive of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer to put in his strongest 11 for like the seventh, eighth match in a row 
for Project Restart. I hope he does. I mean, hey, whatever he does, whatever he plans on doing, I think it would be a, a, a naive decision with the fact that top four is still on the table and FA Cup doesn't ensure you Champions League. Like, uh-huh. he, he needs to get Champions League, period. Like, I, I think that United, it's a bust of a season if they get fifth place, even with the rough start, whatever you want to call it. So I, I still think Cho can get the, the game time and perform, whether it's their starting 11 or not. Maybe we can come to a gentleman's agreement before the match just to not to just to you know play our our youth and you know sit everyone for the youth. rest. Yeah, you know because we got to get on United's good side, I think, because it could it could come down to a situation where on the last match of the season, um, Leicester and United, you know they they can both be a point behind us, and you know with goal differential, all they need is a draw and they knock us out. So they could come to a gentleman's agreement to just play it easy and draw and just to, to screw <laughs> us over. So I think we should get on their good side and try to do that for this matchup. But who knows? Maybe I'm just a, a little paranoid. It ain't happening. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's let's go to the next question. So this one comes from at Tim Chelsea. Uh, he asks, uh, Oblak or Havertz? I mean, Oblak was another rumor to be come to coming up this year. I mean, this, uh, this week we got, we had, we were tied with Onana, but, uh, the price we'd have to pay for him is not nearly as much as Oblak. But, um, I think this is a good comparison between the two. Um, Zach, I'll start off with you. Which one of the two would you prefer if you, if you could choose? I kind of alluded to it earlier today. Jan Oblak is probably the best goalkeeper in the world. Um, <sighs> You could say that. You cannot turn that down. You could say if you that. Have the, if you have the opportunity to sign, you know, it, it, arguably the best player in that position, you go ahead and do it. This is a little different from the Havertz thing because Havertz isn't, you know, a top five player in his position. Um, but, you know, Oblak's arguably the best. You got to go for it if he's available. But I just don't see it happening. I want to agree with Zach here. I think signing a keeper like Oblak would take away the need for a joystick center back because Oblak would be a commanding presence of that back four. I'm assuming just yelling constantly at those guys to make sure they're in the right place, looking over their shoulders, finding the right man to cover. So it's, yeah, I mean, Tim, I, I appreciate this question, but this one, Unless I see more solid rumors on Oblak coming out, this is this is almost playing video games. I, I the realistic signing is Havertz, but yeah, if if we were at a point where it's one or the other, I would lean Oblak because at that point you're getting, like Zach said, arguably the best keeper in the world in the past four or five seasons, and a proven leader of men. Uh, so we'll move on to the next question. Ron, uh, I guess he's a little bit gullible. I alluded to this earlier, but he says, does the news that Kai will go to a team that doesn't have Champions League almost solidify the signing? I personally don't think that's an accurate reporting. Uh, yeah, but no, no, no need to discuss it. <laughs> sorry, Ron, you got you got bamboozled by those pro- either the Standard or the Mirror or whatever. <laughs> but let's move on uh ron ron has another one follow-up this is a better one way to make up for it ron he says (laughs) our remaining schedule 
All right, these are the, the remaining schedules of Chelsea, Leicester, and Man United. We've got Liverpool and Wolves. Leicester's got Sheffield, Spurs, and then United. And United's got, oh, well, this is wrong. It says they have United, West Ham, and Palace. But <laughs> they I'm, got West Ham, Palace, and Leicester. Oh, right. Yeah. Duh, oh, duh. Yeah, West Ham, Palace, and Leicester. Uh, so how does this turn out? Do we finish top four? I mean, right now, obviously, uh, what we're four points ahead with a game in hand. Uh, so, I mean, we would need, we would need four more points pretty much to solidify it. So yeah. like getting a draw out of Liverpool would be great. And then the Wolves match would probably be a must win depending on how the, how the results of the other matches go. But um, mm-hmm. Zach, how, how do you think this turns out? Well, I really hope Liverpool doesn't show up to play us. Um, but chances are they probably will. I mean, we won them the title. Come on, the least they. But can we do. also we also uh, took a title away from them as well. Yep. Um, no one remembers that. Sleeping <laughs> G. Um, yeah, hopefully no one remembers that. Um, I'm more concerned about the Wolves match. I'm going to be honest. Uh, Liverpool just kind of seem like they're coasting at this point. You know, they're still. You know, if, if Trent Alexander-Arnold shows up to our match hungover, that would be awesome. Um, you know, it looked like he did in our last match. Um, but, you know, looking at the other schedules, Leicester and Man U, I mean, Manchester United definitely has their work cut out for them. Uh, two of those matches um, are going to be tough. Uh, obviously, the Leicester one at the end of the season, which is probably going to be a decider um, for the final Champions League spot. And then you got West Ham, who, you know, are still technically not safe from relegation. Um, so they're definitely going to put up a battle as well. Um, looking at Leicester, you know, Soyuncu is on a red card, so he is going to be out. I believe it was if it was a straight red, I believe he's out three matches, if I'm not mistaken. He's done. He's done. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So he's done. So that's huge, especially against a team like Man United, who's scoring a lot of goals, um, and they have the best player who ever existed in the world. Period, according to every Man United fan, Bruno Fernandez. <sighs> Honestly, guys, I see it. I see a Champions League spot here for us. Um, I haven't seen enough from Leicester um, since Project Restart for me to feel like, you know, they're a legit threat. Um, but at the same time, I haven't seen enough from us to think that. I, I don't know. I don't know. This is such a tough question for me. Um, it would be a lot. It would be a lot tougher if Leicester's remaining schedule wasn't so tough. Yeah. You know, because yeah. we we uh, we're not putting our decision uh, like we're not basing our decision based off of our recent play, because if if it was based on that, I I I wouldn't think we we'd finish top five, but Leicester's remaining schedule just really helps us out. And with the way they've been playing, they just right. have not looked good. And I know Brendan Rodgers tried tweaking with the formation even against Bournemouth, and that didn't work. Yeah, they they just seem like they're too. yeah yeah. So you know they just seem like they're sort of searching for an identity at the at this moment. So here's why I think. We're good. And it all comes down to Leicester's schedule, honestly. For one, Sheffield is one point from European football. They are one point behind Wolves. They are they somehow flipped a switch in the middle of an awful start to Project Restart, and they've picked up victories. So Sheffield has now beaten both us and Spurs during Project Restart. So I think that can't be put in as three points. Spurs, same Thing, they are two points away from the sixth spot that Wolves carries. And then, of course, the United-Leicester match. United needs to get max points. Like, they can't 
depend. They're they're still behind us, so they have to beat Leicester head to head in in results. Unfortunately for Leicester, I think it'll be over before then, because I think Sheffield can beat them, and I think Mourinho is gonna do everything he can to shit house his way into into the Europa League if he if possible. Um, I. I, obviously, I'm biased, guys. We beat Norwich today, but we've been the best team match to match up to Liverpool all year. And now when things don't matter to them, even if they do play the, the young guys that are part of the academy, I think we can still get a result there and not even have to worry about the Wolves match. Because, again, look at United. West Ham is still in a relegation battle. Crystal Palace is the one where I know it's an easy victory because they have nothing to lose. And then at the end, it's Leicester. So that'll be a tough match, too. Something tells me... We got bailed out. I think we don't even have to. We won't even get to the point where we might be at risk. All right, uh, let's move on to our last question. So, Nick Lenartson, he asks, which which one would you choose? You can't have both. Finishing top four and clinching Champions League, or winning the FA Cup and getting Europa League, and winning the Europa League next year. He's throwing that in. So uh, qualifying the next season. Which one would you choose? Top four. Top four, no no silverware, Zach? No, no promise Top silverware, four. Right? Top four. Give me Champions League. Yeah. Give me Hakeem Ziyech in the Champions League. That's what I want. Champions League attracts players, man. Simple as that. We can... We can win the Capital... The, the Carabao Cup. It's not officially... It's not officially canceled. No, but according to Nick, we we have to pick one or the other. Yeah, yeah. I mean, no. That's, <laughs> oh, I, you mean next year? Next year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Give okay. me top four. Give me top four. A hundred percent. Champions League over Europa League. I don't care if yeah. we miss out on an FA Cup. Hey, but Kai Havertz said he'll come even if we're not in Champions League, right? <laughs> Until he's not carrying a, a big blue shirt with a big old three on it, I'm not going <laughs> to buy that. Okay. I think I'm with uh, you. But I, I still yeah. think it's possible to do both this season to be if we're being honest yeah i agree yeah i think it is too i mean how, how do you guys feel um you know kind of moving on to i know nick asked one final question uh we I mean we already we talked about it but i i'll, I'll ask it nick nick got enough airtime, but why not just throw in the last one he says with tonight's display how worried are you guys that we get the four points needed in our last two games I think we should just decide, are we going to do it or not do it? And I'm going to say we're going to do it. We're going to do it? Like, finish top we're gonna four? We're going to do it. I think we're going to do it, too. We're getting third. Oh, wow. that's what I'm talking about. And Have that's you the seen kind of... our jersey? We've been over the beach. <laughs> we're getting third, dude. It, okay. is, it is by some planets aligning that Leicester and United are butchered this <laughs> week. And now they go into a tough final three matches. But we're getting third. Is there a third place match for a FA Cup or? <laughs> <laughs> That's the type of energy that I'd love to end podcast with. I mean, that kind of brings us to the end of this week's show. Um, again, just kind of reiterating what Sam said earlier on. Um, this is kind of a milestone point for us. Um, you know, we kind of took a step back earlier today and realized like how blessed and amazing all of our listeners are. Um, and, or how blessed we are and how amazing all of our listeners are, actually. Yeah, the other way around sounded kind of kind of conceited. But um, moving <laughs> yeah, on to next week, shit. boys, hopefully we get an FA Cup win, um, hopefully a final appearance, and then uh, another three points at Liverpool. 
Fingers hey, crossed. Zach, we also need six more followers until we're at a thousand. Wow. So let's get those six if yeah, you're a first time listener. Six followers and four points by next episode is, oh would be God. ideal. Thousandth our thousandth follower will get a shout out on the next show, just saying. Oh yeah, we gotta keep track for sure. Yeah, hundred percent. But anyways, um until next week, guys, it's been a pleasure as always. Um keep the blue flag flying high.